and thanks again for joining us wherever you're listening to this whenever you're listening to this it's a metalist podcast there you go yeah i'm david i'm jason and today we're talking about a band very near and dear to our hearts the greatest band to come from liverpool ever easily we're talking about carcass fucking this is going to be a fun one, man. Fucking Guitar Harmony City. Yeah, dude. Um, let's just get into it, man. Where did where was your first exposure to Carcass? So I said in the Machine Head episode, now we get to hear the other side. So mm-hmm. I went to a Blockbuster Music. I'm, you know, I was trying to think of like what situation there would have been for me to be in a Blockbuster in 1994. Because... Heartwork came out in 93, but I know that Burn My Eyes came out in 94. Mm-hmm. So it was definitely 94. So I'm trying to think of a reason why I would be in Salt Lake City by myself, waiting for my parents to come pick me up. And I just can't quite put it together. So I don't know why I was there. So I decided to go check it out. And that's when I found out they had like listening stations. Yeah, for sure. And I was just like, okay, dude, like I wandered around for not too terribly long and i picked up burn my eyes and i picked up heartwork and the heartwork one was definitely so someone had told me about machine head burn my eyes and i think i may have heard my misery i don't know you'll have to listen to the go back and listen to the machine head episode for the <laughs> for the full story but but i remember seeing heartworks album cover in, in like an ad on the magazine and i and i always wanted to hear it cuz it was it was carcass i'd seen what's the one after symphonies of, of sickness it's um uh, necroticism yes so i'd seen the name several times and then i remember seeing that album cover and just thinking like what the fuck because it the thing that threw me off was the peace sign right yeah yeah you know, i was like what in the fuck like why that does not seem like the same band that had an album called necroticism and symphonies of sickness oh yeah for sure you know like it didn't make sense but it was very intriguing so i put it in and i didn't have a whole lot of time so i only listened to probably and i don't even know if it played the full songs i can't remember but i I mean i remember listening to a few of the songs and then my dad showed up and so i was like okay i gotta make a decision you know i can only make i can only get one (laughs) Mm -hmm. Uh, unfortunately so i ended up getting heartwork oh okay and it was just like, wow, this is like death metal Iron Maiden. Yeah, for That's sure. This, I mean, obviously heavier, which mm-hmm. would imply the death metal part. But I just, and dude, and the fucking headphones they had that were so shitty. Oh, yeah, I'm like, sure it, all the it, shit peeling off. Well, dude, and it was all treble. 
Oh, like, right. like it's okay. a miracle I bought the fucking album, you know, because mm-hmm. I mean, it sounded like total shit. And then the whole ride back, I mean, I'm, I'm with my old man, like I can't fucking put it in, you know what I mean? Like, I, and I don't even know yeah. if he had a CD player in the fucking truck, man. Like, I, I may not have even been able to, even if I wanted to, but yeah, even if there was, you know, I'm not, dude, my dad's not listening to fucking carcass for for sure any amount of time yeah so i had to wait till i got home and i remember putting on my headphones and popping the cd and just going holy fuck mm. i mean i was just like this sounds like a thousand times better than it did in the fucking store right and yeah it was it was exactly that it was death metal iron maiden and i was like fuck yeah dude and it was like one of those things where it was like by this time i kind of already knew where most of my friends stood as far as well, I like I like the music, but I don't like the vocals, sort of thing with death metal. Yeah. So I didn't really. I don't know if I ever really bothered playing it for like around any of my friends or for any of my friends. I may have played it for Jeremiah. I'm not sure. Maybe. Mm. But for the most part, it was one of the albums I had that I just listened to at home, or if I had headphones on, and just never really had anybody to talk about it to. Right. I mean, I could have, but they wouldn't even know what I was talking about. And I mean, 94, like, they wouldn't have, they, you know, it was like, fuck. They, no one I knew would have liked it. So, mm-hmm. and I mean, I know there's people around the town that did like it. I mean, I, you know, found out later, but, but at the time, there was no one I knew that, that would even like this shit. So I was like, you know, yeah, whatever. Um, what about you? So not entirely dissimilar from your experience, not entirely different at all. So I'm really diving headfirst into music in 98 to 99. And I'm playing guitar for the first time at the same time. I see one of those guitar magazines. I have it. It's somewhere very close to me. And I gave it a look again recently. But it was, you know, before the NU term new metal, it was just new N-E-W metal because it was the big wave of bands. And they had, um, who was on the cover? It was Tom Morello. It was uh, Monkey and Head from Corn. It was West Borland from Limp Bizkit. Probably oh, somebody else in there. and Because that was the pinnacle in 99. And right. so they were talking about why... Because Seven Strings were... They'd been around for a while, but they were coming into prominence with this wave of bands. And it was, I believe, Monkey specifically talking about why they were using Seven Strings and what their approach was. I remember reading it as, we wanted the guitars to sound like Carcass. I've since gone back and he actually specifically said they didn't want to sound like carcass. So that puts a different perspective on things. That's what, this is why I like going back and <laughs> checking these things out with a fresher perspective. You know why what I mean? Would they not want to sound like carcass. Like what about them would sound like carcass? I don't know. Cause like in there is a 99. Yeah. But there, there is a death metal influence on, on corn. And I thought that might've been part of it. Cause if you think about it, you know, the low tune thing and it's kind of a grimier sound, but apparently they weren't going for that, but that's also for a corn episode another day. Anyway. So I'm like, well, who's this fucking carcass band? And so I'm keeping an ear out. Sure enough. I think it's January or February of 2002. I'm watching loud as many of these things come from. I finally stumble upon the video for no love lost by carcass. I'm like, Oh, this is that band he was talking about. This is not what I was expecting. Okay. I like it though, but this is death metal. Okay. But huh. All right. And so like, that's my only frame of reference is, is hard work. Um, <laughs> and again, it's that song. It's just like, you know, it's just Jeff Walker and we're going to get it. I want to get into each member, at least the key this members. Is, we'll, we'll get into a little bit more, but I mean, they're pretty much, I mean, they pretty much invented the, 
core sound of melodic death metal. Yeah, that and uh, gore grind even before that. You know, and then before that, yeah, the you know the grindcore angle, gore grind, all that stuff. But they also, if you listen to Heartwork and Swan Song and stuff, I mean, they also really had they had to have had a hand in somewhere to someone, uh, you know, for like groove metal. For sure, that then that will come up as you well. Because you just mentioned No Love Lost, and I'm like, yeah, yeah I mean, that's like a total fucking. Like Prong could have done that song. Yeah, that that especially too. So, yeah, I, I finally pick up the the Heartwork album at Blue Meanie, rest in peace. But that's it for years and years and years because I always hear that's the one, and their shit was so hard to find for so long because they just weren't a band anymore, and like you couldn't buy merch to save your life now. That's everywhere. If you wanted to have a carcass shirt, it had to be like either really really vintage, or it had to be bootleg. Like, like they, shit was just scarce. And then all of a sudden, one day in 1997, it's like late 97, there's an announcement, Carcass is coming back for a run of reunion shows. And I'm like, holy shit, this is awesome. I never thought I'd get a chance to see him. You know, it was like, there was just this whole slew of bands that I missed out on that I thought I would never have the opportunity to see. And now I've seen most of them. Um, Unbroken, At the Gates, which is also, they got announced at the same time uh carcass there's plenty of others but those were the big ones i remember those years and so i'm like man i want to familiarize with myself with more of their shit all their stuff's getting reissued from earache finally now they're having a whole new run of legitimate merch like there was this big resurgence because you know between swan song and them breaking up and then them getting back together originally in late 2007 2008 Bill Steer was doing his kind of classic rock thing in Firebird. Jeff Walker was doing here's and there's. Uh, he had a stint in Brujeria that actually lasted a pretty long... Uh, maybe he's technically still part of it. Ken Owen, unfortunately, had a stroke, so he wasn't doing anything. But, like, there was always the... I guess what happened was Brujeria was on tour with Cephalic Carnage, and just one night in, like, Hollywood or something, Jeff just came out and, and sang whatever song with them. It was, you know, one of the earlier songs. And I guess that kind of sparked things and they, they got back together and I was like, fuck yeah, dude, I want to go see the reunion show. So I'm going to finally seek out all their other stuff. Cause I was only familiar with heartwork really, but I also, you know, they had the two first albums. It's like collages made of actual honest to God pictures of dead people. But like, I didn't know that because they had the super censored generic album covers so they could put them in stores from earache um which i never had and it was just such a distinct i'll say this heartwork had a very unique aesthetic and obviously the lyrical content this is the first thing you and i are exposed to so that's carcass for me you know what i mean same whereas you're going backwards and you're like what is this shit dude you know what i mean the textbook lyrics the the just fucking gore like gore they they did a fine gore in metal really dude like it's just such a different thing that I'm used to. And then seeing Swan Song, I always avoided Swan Song because everybody's like, oh, that record fucking sucks. Don't. So I was like, okay. So I'm deep, I'm diving back. They re-release, they also re-release all the albums out of order. That fucking irritated me. But each one had a little thing at the end called Coroner's Report, uh, which is like a little huh. DVD retrospective and stuff. And that, you know, me, I'm an 80s demo guy. I love hearing the demos, especially from around that time of tape trading. And they had them. 
packaged with the albums. If you're a CD or whatever guy and you, you like this shit, go find them. These are actually put together really well. They have all the different artwork. They, the Reek of Putrefaction has the original artwork with all the body stuff. But there's like, it's the other, it's not even the censored cover for symphonies of sickness i don't know what it what it is but it's something weird and i've never understood what it is if you know what it is hit me up because i've never been able to figure it out um but yeah they repackaged them all and they all sound awesome as awesome as they can in some instances i know that earache put out full dynamic range versions of a lot of these things um, i hate those dude yeah but i don't know why it says full dynamic range when it just sounds like total shit yeah it's it's rearrange shit but if you got and i don't know why how you could prove this or how they expected you to but like if you got all the albums when they all finally came out they would send you a little slip case to put them all in and all it all it was was literally just emailing them going hey i got all five okay cool all right that was it <laughs> you know what i mean like but it's cool and so like i got them they, send a picture that it was literally just hey i got them oh send me your address all right cool i'm like like it's like what a big loss it's like oh i'm gonna i'm gonna scheme them out of this special slipcase for these albums i don't actually have <laughs> you know it was like what the fuck i don't know okay, earache <laughs> runs a really drinky dink operation now and i think they have for a while but like when they you know as far as what's their other bread and butter right now is just repackaging the shit out of all their old stuff from when they were like a bigger label you know to be fair, they did an admirable job with these albums. So get on them on that, I guess. So I finally have it all. I have a little more context for the stuff and I, I'm familiar with the whole catalog now. And I see how much more, I don't know about infamous, but notorious they are for that particular era, especially on necroticism with the tools of the trade and the surgical instruments and whatnot. And then that's it, man. When they, they, they do the reunion show... By the way, for context, a month before that, I see At The Gates, and I'm blown away. That's one of the gnarliest shows I've ever been to. It was just like, you know, it's, it's at, you know, at The Gates coming back, and it's just like a fully energetic show. And we'll get more into what they're like on their episode. But like, so contrast that with Carcass. And uh, at, the, at the time, I'm more hyped for that. And it's the whole thing of, okay, man, we can't, we can't get Ken Owen because he's he's still not able to drum that the way he was because he's post-stroke. But we have Daniel Erlinson from Arch Enemy because we're getting Mike Amott back. And it's like, oh, okay. And they even say, hey, it's like, hey, man, we're shaking off the rust. We're almost 40. Like, don't expect anything. We're just playing these songs for fun. So it's prior guests of the show, me, uh, Alex, Jimmy, and me, we go up to Hollywood. And I wish we, you know, traffic was really bad and it was a Monday night. That was the shitty end of the stick. The lineup for that reunion tour was crazy. And I wish we could have seen the other bands, but we caught the very last like five seconds of suffocation as they're ringing out. So I have seen Mike Smith and suffocation. It's just for seconds at a time. <laughs> and there's another story for that another day too. But um, we don't know what to expect, but they have all the crazy banners with the tools of the trade, which I'm pretty sure they're still using. They have this video screen thing accompanying them and depending on what song they're playing uh, you know if it's the more art if it's the heartwork stuff it's the more artsy side whereas if it's anything before that it's just fucking gore it's it's surgery footage like really fucked up stuff so we ended up having to leave halfway through because 
Jimmy ended up getting sick and it wasn't just him. Like tons of people were ro- ro- uh, running out, throwing up because it was like too hot in there or something, or there was something in the water. I remember we all drank the water and we were feeling weird after. Um, and just uh, like a number of people just couldn't hang. And then we ran out and we're like, well, okay, we saw half a carcass set. But then it was just interesting because it was Bill did not growl anymore. It was Micah Mott doing the lows. And he sounded awesome. But it was definitely just them. Okay, we're standing here playing the songs. And uh, Daniel Erlinson was good. But it's just like, if you if we're talking about incarnated solvent abuse specifically, you know, the blasting at the beginning. It's just like, okay, he's doing it. But it doesn't sound like it should. You know what I mean? Like, like it had it with, with carcass specifically, it's especially blasts, like got a very specific thing in mind. Right. Right. All right. That was a cool one time, you know, reunion thing. I'm glad I got to see it. I'm glad they got to get it out of their system. Oh, they're doing another one next year. Good on them. Oh, they're doing another one. Okay. Oh, they're back. Like they're a fully band again. Fuck, I'm cool with that. Oh, they might record new music. Okay. What are the stipulations? Uh, Arch or Michael Lamott was all, hey, I thought this was like just a one time for fun thing. I have Arch Enemy. I can't do this anymore. Okay, he's gone. So is Daniel Erlinson. So now who do they have? <clears throat> they have Dan Wilding, who previously had stints with Aborted and Heaven Shall Burn. And he tried out for Black Dahlia Murder, but he ended up losing or losing <laughs> Losing to either Zach Gibson or the the Pierre guy that was really good but never actually recorded with them. But he tried out when he was like 17 or 18 or 19 or something like that. Like so and he, so he's got the chops, man. If you listen to any of those fucking bands and Trigger the Bloodshed, you remember Trigger the Bloodshed at all? Yeah, yeah he drummed for them too. Like, dude definitely had the chops, you know, to fill the shoes in for Ken Owen. And they've had a slew of lead guitar players too to do the other guitar stuff. But man, okay, so fast forward. I finally get the chance to see him again. They're only doing two. They're, it's Surgical Steel gets announced, and it's back with Colin Richardson doing the whole thing. And I get the chance to see him this time. Call this the redemption round from the last time I didn't get to stick around for the whole thing. They're playing the Troubadour in L.A. They're only doing four American shows for the release of Surgical Steel, I think, that same weekend. Two in New York, two in L.A., and they're both the L.A. dates are at the Troubadour. Small, small venue. Because when they first came back, it was a big deal. They have, They were in bigger venues and they were all sold out all the dates and so like the fact that they were doing these smaller dates was awesome i get right the fuck to the front i'm against the barricade no there was no barricade it was just the stage if you've never been to the troubadour it's small as hell and i really like that place actually but before them is exhumed and if you've never seen an exhumed show that is a fun fucking show dude have you ever seen exhumed no it's really fun dude they 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 seem like they they seem like pretty pretty interesting live band i would uh, yeah i would like to see them yeah they, they it's just like a party vibe and but like and so they have a dude who's dressed in a bloody say but all dressed up like fucking crazy people the, well, the crazy not, doctor guy not yeah yeah that guy like like it's not <laughs> yeah. the whole band it's just the one guy right, and he has right. a, ch- a chainsaw without a without a uh chain on it if you've yeah. seen eric andre when they performed he was running around with the chainsaw it's the same guy and so, like, and I won't spoil anything because there is a bit of more theatricality that goes on with it, but it's just a fun-ass live show. It's a good way to set the template. And then Carcass comes out, and it was a bit of a weirder tone, again, because it was, hey, man, we're just playing these songs just to get them out of our system and because we didn't really get a chance to play them much more after we broke up. And they open with, I don't know what it is. I found out later on it's, it's from a, it's the anarcho-punk band Crass. It's some weird 
old creepy British chick talking anti-religious stuff. Okay, interesting way to set the tone. And they, they opened with whatever the first song on Necroticism is. So that was cool. For this new tour, It's they just put out a new record. They're pumped. What do they open with? 1985, the first track on Surgical Steel, which is just epic Queen-level oh, harmonies on harmonies. They're walking <laughs> out. They look fucking sick. And Bill Steers right in my face. Like, guitar right in nice. my face. Fuck yeah. And I'm just like, and you can feel it because they get right into buried dreams. And I'm just like, ooh, something's different, dude. This is a very different energy. Like, they're stoked. They're not just like shaking off the cobwebs anymore. This is a full on thing. Like, it's probably the new blood as well. But like, Jesus Christ, if Bill Steer didn't have the best live guitar tone I've ever heard that night, it was so fucking amazing, dude. Like I was blown away and Bill Steer was like jumping up and down on the stage, which he didn't do the last time they were all vibing. It was just a very different vibe from that first reunion tour. So oh, I was dude, like, okay, that, that album in general, I think yeah. that's one of the fucking best guitar sounds there's ever been. Oh yeah, man. But just like the way that translated live, I was like, Jesus Christ, dude, this is a whole new level, dude. So what's, what's different. I can hear Jeff or Bill Steer just fine. The other guy I can't hear worth a shit. All I'm hearing is Bill Steer, and it still sounds awesome. It's just funny because when they do like the heartwork stuff where they're trading back and forth the guitar solos, I'm seeing him his fingers moving right in front of my face, and then they do the epic, all right, switch over to the other guy thing that I'm looking over on the right side, and I can't hear him worth a shit. So it just looks like is he's it, like air guitaring to nothing. Because you were on the other side, or was it just like you like that? What about that's what I thought. Back? That's what I thought. I've since gone and seen the video, and you can't hear him. Oh, really? Yeah, it's it's just one of those freak things. Who was it? That Tom uh, Draper? Um, let me see. It's was a guy it that's not new. What year it, was it? 2013. It was literally like the same weekend, I think, if not at least in the same week or so that Surgical Steel came out. Let me see what this guy's name was. Apparently, the deal was he like wasn't even Ben Ash. Okay, there you go. Yeah. Apparently, his story was he wasn't even like in a metal band at the time. He just he was in, like a blues player that just happened to really like metal. So he would show um, YouTube videos of him doing carcass songs, and so they saw that and you know rock star Mark Wahlberg. Hey, do you want to join the band? Yeah, sure. But yeah, the the guy they have now is Tom Draper, which I'm not familiar with anything he's done, but uh, I'm sure he's awesome. So yeah, man, they they release. Surgical Steel, it's a huge success. It's fucking really well received. And they've just been touring and touring and touring up until, you know, they can't right now. But I, I got to see them at Brick by Brick with the, you know, that the next year they're still touring on Surgical Steel. They had to, if you're local to the San Diego area, you know that Brick is not very tall, shall we say. It's, it's got a very pretty low ceiling. So instead of draping the tools of the trade banners down, they had to wrap them sideways across the walls which was cool um yeah and i remember i remember because i was coming back from another show i was racing down to brick by brick and their tour bus because you got to park your whoever the headlining band usually has to park a bus or a van or whatever right next to brick so i'm walking by trying to get there just in time for carcass and sure enough right as i walk by their tour bus bill and jeff walk out of the door right in front of me and i have to nerd just control my nerdism and just keep walking to the door and pretend I didn't see him or something. She said hi. I freaked the fuck out, dude. 
and it was it was fun it was oh i live for that if you're not that excited then fucking what is it well, yeah you know I mean? but i get excited i still say hi i know but like i i there it was the nerd oh my god and i you know i had to fight my way to the front because it was packed but like if you haven't seen carcass lord willing dude knocking on wood we'll get a chance to see him again soon especially because they got a new album coming out but like seeing them kill it as much as they have since coming back has been awesome and that's my long-winded version of saying i fucking love this band a lot um (laughs) let's get into that guitar sound on specifically that album i mean it's fucking killer on surgical steel too yeah but man i mean it blew me away on fucking heartwork dude like can we just fucking say can we just talk about carnage real quick yeah yeah for sure (laughs) Like Mike Amott, I didn't know that he... I, I always thought that he was in Carcass from the beginning. So no, no, yeah. I looked it up like a little while ago. Actually, I think I looked it up quite a while ago because I wanted to see like if he was even still in Arch Enemy. Like, I haven't listened to Arch Enemy in forever. Yeah, I, it's and funny. So I They've like, oh, been... He is still in Arch Enemy. I'm like, yeah, holy yeah. shit. But I got to his wiki and I was like, oh shit, he wasn't like originally fucking member of Carcass. But one thing I would like to say about Carnage, one, Johan Leva... Yes. Who also sang in Arch Enemy for a while. Mm-hmm. Honestly, my favorite Arch Enemy singer. The big thing was like half of this band went on to, over half the band went on to form Dismember. Oh, yeah. Like this is almost like, uh, what do you call it? The fucking Yardbirds. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> it's yeah. A sweet, it's, a, it's almost like a Swedish, uh, European, well, Yardbirds was European too. Norwegian mm-hmm. Yardbirds, I guess, because yeah. it's like three dudes including the singer from Dismember, was in this band, Carnage, with Johan and fucking Mike Amott. Like, that's fucking crazy to me, dude. Like, oh, I love shit like that, how? dude. So, what I want to do is get into the key members real quick, and what better place to start than Mike Amott? I mean, probably the other guys, but we're going to start with Mike Amott anyways, just because we're already talking about him. Dude, Mike Amott, to me, is the king of melodic death metal. I have no argument there. He, when you... I mean, obviously, Bill Steer's awesome. Mm-hmm. You know, Jeff Walker, awesome. You know, you got, you know, Jesper and fucking Bjorn and and Anders to some degree. Wickers and fucking Strid, if you're going to count soil work as melodic death metal. And then, obvi- you know, and I can never remember the guy's name. <laughs> well, uh, which one? Johan Haig. From, oh, from, from Amon Amarth. Amon Amarth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, you have some of these bigger names, like in, in melodic death metal. I mean, like the, the European um, melodic yes. death metal, because I'm yeah. obviously in the United States. I mean, I would say fucking you know Trevor Sternod, like mm-hmm. for sure. But dude, Mike, if you love Heartwork Carcass and Swan Song Carcass, like or Surgical Steel Swan Song, say what you want about it, whatever. Mm-hmm. And and I and I say it, and I hate that album. That style of melodic death metal from fucking Carcass, and you want more of it? Just listen to fucking Arch Enemy. Yeah, well, it's the, the exact same thing. Yeah, did you did you ever hear that story about why Arch Enemy even formed? No, it was they, it was some Japanese label contacted Micah Mott while he was in the mirror, middle of spiritual beggars and said, "Hey, we want to offer you money to do a band like Heartwork Era Carcass." And I'm trying to find the name of the damn label. Maybe it's this one wrong again. Uh, I thought it was Japanese. Maybe not. I don't know. Anyways, this label hit him up pre-century media saying we want you to make an album like Heartwork, which is funny because now i found out i don't know how involved he was in the writing of necroticism 
but like all he did was his solos on part work and then he left. Like I didn't know that till years later. Say again. So all he did on heartwork was the solos. Like that's all he contributed. I didn't yeah. know. And then he and then he split. So and I makes me wonder how much he contributed on necroticism. I'm sure it's out there and I just forgot. I mean, but the story was too, man. Bill Steer actually recruited him to be the second guitar player in Napalm Death while he was in Napalm Death. And while they were jamming, he's like, Let me show you some stuff I'm working on for Carcass. And then he was like, I think I'm more interested in that. So not only did he swipe Michael Amott from what was going to be Napalm, but then he also left Napalm to concentrate on Carcass. I love stories like that, man. <laughs> and it's funny because like last time they toured Australia together where it was, God damn, dude, this, this flyer right here in descending order, Carcass obituary, Napalm Voivod, dude. Uh, Fuck. And to think that Voivod's the opener is, is insane. But um, so what Napalm would do is they would have Bill come out and do a deceiver with him because he played on that side of scum. And like just little stories like that, man. Uh, did yeah, you have I anything else? Like if, oh, yeah. if you look at how many albums he's had with Arch Enemy. Yeah. Obviously, he brought something to the table to Carcass when he joined, even if he wasn't writing the fucking riffs or whatever, mm -hmm. because the whole band changed. Yeah, absolutely. Like, a lot. Mm-hmm. You know, so, you know, and then, I mean, fuck, dude, there's no one else. Like, to me, like, as far as that fucking, especially the Swedish melodic death metal style, no one does does it better than Michael Amon. Yeah. I you know it's funny because we always, when you talk about melodic death metal, you think of Sweden and it's all, well, Carcass is a British band, but Michael Amott, who was... Technically, yes, but Michael Amott is Swedish. He's Swedish, and he's half British, too. So, like, there's this yeah. weird in-between. So, that was, like, you get a little bit of both. So, there's still a Swedish <laughs> right. connection on Heartwork, which is sick, you know? Did you have anything else you wanted to add about Michael Amott? I just... I mean, I've always loved his fucking guitar sound. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. His fucking guitar sound is just crazy. He's... He's like a tone god, you know what I mean? Like, there's all these yeah. guys, like Carlos Santana would be a tone god. You know, for some people, certain albums of fucking, you know, Pantera, like, you know, tone god type stuff, man. Like, right. You know, you have those. But, I mean, as far as consistency on, like, almost everything this dude's done, his fucking guitar tone is, like, amazing, dude. Mm -hmm. Anyways, he was a big ESP guy for a, for a long time. Now he's with Dean. Oh you know, yeah, um, he, he's okay. he was a big user like the fifty one fifties and stuff, and then you know now he's a Marshall guy. Hmm. I just think it's one of those things where it's like when you get your fucking shit dialed in and you know what you want it to sound like, you know, it's like you can pretty much use anything to a certain degree and get that fucking sound. And and to me, it's like I mean, I've I was listening to Creator one day the enemy of god album and i was just listening mm. to it one day and i fucking legit heard the solo and was like well for one i knew it wasn't anybody in creator right you know oh, yeah I mean, yeah I, yeah you know but i did wonder if it was mike amon and i and i had to look it up and it was so you know you can tell what you i i can tell when it's fucking him but i've listened to a lot of his stuff yeah you know but more importantly it's just that fucking his his rhythm tone in him and bill steer right yeah. Like, I mean, fucking dude, you know, and some of it's producer, sure. Colin Richardson's a great fucking producer. Oh, yeah. But dude, fucking Bill's, Bill's rhythm just, that tone just crushes everything, dude. Yeah. Like for a lot of people, that's the holy grail tone, dude. Yeah. Or like rhythm guitar. Do you ever watch those Ola England videos? Uh-uh. He, he did a video where he replicates, he does his best to replicate the, uh, the hard work tone. It's pretty fucking sick. 
Oh man, if I could get that fucking tone on like any album I've got in the works in my head right now, I'm slowly getting there, dude. I'm about to buy a guitar pretty soon, but nice. Um, everything else is fucking I've already got. So, but I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, if I could, it's not the exact same thing. What I'm saying is like I want something that crushes that hard. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like that shit is fucking, dude. It's I was sitting in LA traffic earlier today, man. Like. I had that fucking shit cranked up, dude. And I was just like, fucking Christ, dude. Like, like my number two, dude, like it just, it fucking just stomps all over your fucking face, dude. Like it's so good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But man, his riffs too, real steer, like, like the riffs that he does, man, with, with the harmonies and whatnot. And it's, it really is. I mean, it's a little more than just Iron Maiden, like death metal, Iron Maiden, heavy Iron Maiden. There is a little bit of like, I hear a lot of like fucking Deep Purple. Yeah, there's a you know, shit um, ton of classic rock in his influence. Kind of like, like classic. Well, not. I don't hear a lot of classic rock in there as far as like the the rhythms. Because I mean, obviously, it's fucking not the rhythms. Yeah, metal. yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, as far as the riffs go, but like you do hear like it's it's hard to explain. I I, I don't know if I can explain it to a non-guitar player, but phrasing. Mm-hmm. Where it's these little runs that you do, and it's these little nuanced things that you do when you play. That that that's when I hear Deep Purple. That's when I hear a little more of the bluesy style, Black Sabbath. I even hear like Old Scorpions. Yeah, for sure. You know, but you know, you get into Bill Steer and Jeff Walker. You know, I mean, it's like okay, yeah, Carcass, but there's just like uh, Napalm Death too. Yeah. There's a very big difference, and we'll get into it. Yeah, we'll get into it more on the Napalm episode. But he was in Carcass the entire time. He was in Napalm before, during, and after. And the fact that he left Napalm to pursue Carcass full time. And I know a lot of people have a boner for his era of Napalm and consider the, especially from Enslavement to Obliteration lineup, like the Holy Grail. I don't, but a lot of people do. That was Lee Dorian, right? It was Lee Dorian. It was, Dorian it was yeah, Lee Dorian, Mick Harris on drums, Bill on guitar, and then it was the first time Shane was on bass. And there's a story why he wasn't on Scum that we'll get to another day. Um, but yeah, he right. was, and like again, yeah, he's a lot of people like him the best as the guitar player. Um, and it, ah, God, there's so much I want to say, but I got to save it for a name. I do, could do. Do all, these, do all these dudes have like um, classic rock sidebands? That's what um, Firebird is. That's yeah. Steers, right? Yeah. Did you Walker ever listen does. to Firebird? I've, I've, I've a long time ago. Yeah, it's cool. It's just it, you've uh, heard it before. You I know? listen to Spiritual Beggars all the time. Oh no, kidding! I fucking love that band, dude. They remind me of fucking Deep Purple, like Unreal. I could see I have, that. Well, okay, I listen to like two or three albums a lot. I haven't really dove dove into a lot of the newer stuff. Mm-hmm. I want to. My issue with it is, is I don't want to be disappointed if they have the new like stoner rock sound, and I just I'm not a big fan of that sound. But right, yeah, yeah. But, um, but yeah, I do remember hearing Firebird, and I, I liked it. I just could never really get my hands on a lot of it at the time. So I mean, probably now I'd be able to. Oh yeah, Jeff Walker does. Is he? He's the one that did the country thing, right? Yeah, it was uh, Jeff Walker and Undi Flufers. If you have you ever listened to that record? No, I bought it twice. I, I love Jeff Walker country and I'm like, no, it's him doing country covers. Yeah. But he's doing the, uh, you know what I mean? Like, like yeah, modern. Care. Yeah. It's just <laughs> like, funny, but he also puts like tune to it. So it's not just monotone except the Johnny cash one. That's almost completely <laughs> like carcassy, but it's awesome. But like, it's just funny. And he like actually tries singing on the uh, John Denver one. 
And like, and then it towards the end, he gets, and I fucking, I love it, dude. And so it's, it's weird because Jeff Walker actually, let's see. So he's the high vocals, right? Yes. And that was yeah, the trip, so like, man. Once they start going on, you get less and less of Bill Steer and more yeah. of Jeff Walker. Apparently that's his biggest complaint about Heartwork is that there is no Bill Steer. Like, like Bill said he didn't want to growl anymore, but he's like, but, but, uh, but, Fuck, but I, I like mean, that. There's, yeah. There's some spots on fucking Heartwork where it's like, man, if Bill was like just growling underneath, like doing yeah. low vocal under Absolutely. this part, yeah. like, it, this would yeah. be insane. Yeah. You know? Well, so that was the trip, man, as I was always intrigued by his voice because I was like, what the fuck? Where does that come from? And I find out later on, he says what he was going for was a mix of what Chuck was doing at the time and what David Vincent was doing at the time, to which I realized, well, wait, Carcass put out an album before fucking Morbid Angel even did. So what's he talking about? So I checked out the first Vin- uh, David Vincent Morbid Angel uh, demo and I was like, okay, I could see that a little more, but like nobody else sounds like David, or excuse me, nobody else sounds like exactly like jeff walker even guys that say they're that they're his biggest influence don't sound exactly he's like a one-of-a-kind kind of guy and even that evolution from how he started has changed a lot you know what i mean right the only person i can think of that i've ever thought sounded like him is mitch lucker i could see that yeah yeah but mitch well, is like, higher he is it's he's way higher even trevor for black dahlia says his biggest Trevor's, influences Trevor's are both thinner. They it's thinner, but it's also way higher. Yeah, Trevor's and, is a lot higher and it's way thinner. It almost sounds like Trevor. I mean, I hey, you know what? You want to go for that Jeff Walker sound? That's awesome. But to me, you didn't. You, it's not there. It's well, for one, it sounds like Trevor. It sounds like exactly, yeah, yeah. Like we like we've said before. I've said before so many times. You sound how you oh. sound. It doesn't matter what you want to sound like. Yeah. You I did. want to sound a certain way, so you try to make that fucking sound. Your voice is going to sound like you, and bam, now you have your sound. Yeah. Right? That's that's how it works. Yeah. And it's like, cool, fuck yeah. So Trevor just ends up a little more on the black metal side. Lucker almost gets, like, I mean, he probably could have done a fucking black metal album with, with as high as he can go. Oh, for sure. I, and that's the like, interesting. It was crazy, but the, the amount of scratch in the voice... The difference I, I noticed between the biggest difference I noticed between Lucker and Jeff Walker is Walker is definitely more throaty. Lucker was one of those like the close the close throat. Yeah. So again, I know I I don't know. <laughs> we all know tons of fucking singers that can do that close throat screaming like really fucking high. Yeah. Right. But there's not the right amount of scratch to it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Jeff yeah. Walker almost sounds like one. I mean, he is throaty. He he sounds like he's got a lot more open throat. Yeah. I only know that because that's what my highs sound like. Mm-hmm. It's not as high. I can't go as high, but it's the same fucking style. Yeah. But it almost there's parts of it, dude. It almost sounds like that he's got like a fuzz pedal. I could say. Well, have you ever watched I, any old videos of them from the eighties? It doesn't matter. It doesn't have a fuzz pedal on it because you would know. You'd be able to hear it. Well, so so, did you ever see any old footage of them? No. He does use a pedal. Well, it's not even a pedal. It might be, but he has two mics for... Okay, so we'll get into that for Ken Owen. But so there's the whole thing of eventually... Because at, at, on the first three albums, no, two. It's, it's him and Bill Steer trading off pretty, you know, not 50-50, but pretty close to it. And then Ken's doing a lot of this pitch-shifted thing. Okay, screw it. Yeah. So it's Ken's this third voice on on Reek of Putrefaction 
where it's like this pitch shifted growl, which I love that shit, dude. That disappears by the second album. But like when he would do the old Ken Owen stuff, he would go back and forth between two mics where it was just one was just him. And then the other was the pitch shifted thing. And I dug that. Uh, that got nixed pretty soon after. It's just like the the way they evolve over the years is really interesting. Because then it's crazy. They well, so like not a whole lot of bands that have like changed styles this hard. Album that while album. In, while inventing the styles. Yeah, it's it's crazy. <laughs> you know dude. what I mean? Like, yeah. Wait, what? <laughs> yeah. But going back to what you were saying before, because you just talk about Trevor and and Mitch Lucker specifically, where it's this dynamic where it's primarily highs, and then that makes the lows stand out that much more. Kind of starts around necroticism, where it's it's yeah. Bill, it's it's Jeff taking over most of the vocal duties, and Bill and uh, Michael Lamott taking over little bits here and there, and that makes it stand out more. Because prior to that, dude it's pretty much undecipherable right like and i love that like what was is are we saying possibly that dill steer is the first toilet bowl vocalist toilet bowl vocalist. have you never have you never heard that term it's where it's no. the like it sounds like oh. a toilet bowl flushing because <laughs> the first time i ever heard that was from travis from cattle because he says oh. yeah because he says carcass is his primary influence i've always I just always call those the gutturals. Yeah, but I mean, like, there's a certain point where it sounds like hollow it's and like, fucking. Bruh, you know what I mean? Like that's gutturals. And the yeah. difference between that and like, you know, it's yeah. like there's growls and gutturals, right? Then, yeah, yeah. Then I, I could see tunnel that ones, which are closed, closed throat. Look. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There, I mean, there's a whole spectrum of those things. But sure, the first time but, I could think of that, dude, it's, it's gotta be bull. Bill. Yeah, yeah. And then, you know, that informs Slam and all that. But, like, yeah, like, it's just them literally, like, because the fucking first two records, uh, I'm going to save that because I want to go through each record real quick. But, like, yeah, the vocal economy changes. And then, yeah, Bill side decides one day, I'm just not going to growl anymore. So it's all Jeff. So I'm very pleased when they release Surgical Steel that Bill's growling again in spots just to bring it out even more. It's, it's that dynamic where it's, like, the highs and then, you know, the lows stand out that much more. And like even compared to other guys that are influenced by Carcass, like like Jeff's highs aren't that high. Like it's it's like he's got this kind of bass level, and then like when he does go extra high, you hear it that much more. He's got a cool little dynamic range going. You know what's a bummer though? When I saw them the last couple times, Bill only growls on the newer stuff, on the Surgical Steel stuff, and onward. It's he it's, yeah. he leaves all the other stuff to Jeff Still. That's which, what I'm saying. Like Luck, Lucker's like a lot higher. It's just the same. There's that fucking wow. Like yeah. there's a certain amount of like, it's almost like, what? I don't know. There's a certain growl to it. Where so that's what it is. It's it sounds like Jeff growls really high. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Where, where Lucker's yeah. like screaming really high. Yeah. Not is like screaming very high. Like yeah, it's it's, it's different. But I uh, those. Are the, and I don't think Sternod sounds much like Jeff. I think no, no, no. He does sound like, especially early on. You know, he sounds more like early carcass than even say at the gates. Right. Yeah. Well, you know what I found out recently because he and was so goes, insistent. As, but he did sound like at the gates. I mean, he did sound yeah, like yeah. Tomas with his high screams. Yeah. And slowly as they go on, that high scream got a little more black metal. Well, so because this happened before or after we did our Black Dolly episode, because I was like, there's got to be a little something more to that. And I think when he says about Carcass, it's more of a high-low dynamic than trying to sound exactly like right, him, right, right, yeah. But he finally came out and said, you know who else I just realized is a big influence on me is Ben Falgaust from... And he specifically cited 
Soylent Green, what he does with Soylent Green. I was like, oh, well, that makes way more fucking sense now, right? <laughs> yeah. So so leading up to research for this, because I didn't have to do much because I listen to Carcass all the time, I discovered Black Dahlia covered this mortal coil for Ritual, I think it was. Really? I had no idea till today. So I listened to it, and guess what else? Jeff's on the cover, and it's something I've always been curious to hear. Where it's fucking a heartwork song with lows. Trevor does all the lows. Jeff does all the highs, dude. I should have shot it to you earlier. I, I only just heard it before we did YouTube this. YouTube only? Uh, it's got to be somewhere, but I, I found it on YouTube, yeah. I'll look. I'll, I'll check it out after this. Yeah, it's, it's awesome, dude. If you like the early stuff... Right at Heartwork, you're just gonna be like, okay, that's done. Yeah. It's a totally different fucking band. Yeah, and you know, so and it's if yeah, and if you're the opposite, most pe- like a lot of people I know, they they like Heartwork, they like the Swan Song, Surgical Steel style. Yeah, they don't like the stuff before it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, like, yeah, I think that's an interesting thing about this band is like you could have so many different types of fans, where it could be I only like Heartwork, or I like maybe two albums, maybe three. I feel like very rarely are you going to get somebody that likes the entire discography, which I do to a degree. I don't like Recaputrefaction. Like I can't listen. I can't listen to it. More than fair. They hate Recaputrefaction. Fucking drives me fucking up the goddamn wall. I'm like, fuck dude, this is total ass and I hate it. Yeah. So I do like, I I like, um, I like symphonies of sickness. I do also like so the only album, the only two albums of theirs I don't like is Swan Song and Reek. I mean, yeah, I think that's pretty common. Yeah, uh, you know, it's it's not like they have a shitload of albums. No, you know, yeah. it's it's just I'm not the person that's like, oh, I only love Heartwork Be- because if you love Heartwork and you don't like Surgical Steel, like I don't even know what you're talking about. Right. Yeah. You know, yeah. like it's that's kind of the same thing. Swan Song is just a slower version of fucking both of them. Yeah. You know, and so the big difference to me was is the split between Heartwork and I mean, unless you're really like just don't like the sound. I mean, Necroticism's almost Heartwork. Yeah, it's it's like I mean, a halfway. Not, each each album's kind of a segue as, to the next one. You know. Right. And that's it's, awesome. It's kind of like the teaser. Mm-hmm. You know, for for the next album, you can you can just kind of hear where it's going each time, right? So, I guess I could see where somebody'd be like, you know, I love Heartwork, but I don't like Necroticism. I'll tell you right now, nothing from Necroticism made my list, but I fucking love that album. Uh, nothing made my list either, and there's there's songs I like. I I, the whole album's great. That album. <laughs> That's well, so it's right. hard to listen to because the sound sucks. Absolutely. The sound's pretty bad. Does it? It's been a while since I listened. I, I think it sounds like shit, but yeah. I'm um, like that. That's fair. So before we get into a little album breakdown, I want to also shout out Ken Owen, who I didn't think it's enough credit as a drummer, dude. He was sick as hell. And again, it's unfortunate what happened with his stroke. I wonder if he's doing anything at all right now. He made a recovery. Um, it took a while for him to get there. And so what they did was instead of having him perform an entire set, because he can't really, they had him come out and just do like a little drum solo thing at the New York date. And then I think Vakken maybe, or somewhere in Europe. So that's a cool little send off. And then he like pops up here and there and like other little spots and like doing little spoken word bits and the newer stuff. And like, he'll pop up in the um, promotional material when they first got back together, dude, I loved all the promotional material where it's, did you ever see reanimator? No. Well, I might have. 
I love that fucking movie because it's about a dude. It's a crazy mad scientist guy that creates a serum that brings people back from the dead and it's green and glowing, And but they come back all fucked up and rotting and crazy. So what they did was they uh, they had a promo thing where it's they're all the creepy cadaver dead people brought back from the dead and Ken's the reanimator doctor guy in the lab coat with the green fluid, which was cool. And then after that, yeah. they did a thing where they're really gnarly like zombies um for the follow-up tour like like they had a lot of fun with all that shit and then they if i'm not mistaken they kind of started the whole surgery gone wrong kind of vibe you know that whole aesthetic to which they really capitalize on now you know there's a term carcass clones from those first two records with the gore grind bands dude specifically all right you know what let's get into it I'm going to bypass the demo because it's all stuff that pretty much for the most part ends up on Rika Petrifaction. There's like this mysterious guy who was the original singer of Carcass called Sanjeev. And like they didn't even know much of about him. I love little stories like that. But yeah, they start the band in 1985. Jeff was in a band called the Electro Hippies, which was kind of this crust punkish type thing. And it's interesting to hear where all that comes from. Rika Putrefaction. I'm trying to think if Bill's in Napalm at by this point. Yeah, I guess it would because 88. Oh, and also because they went to the same guy that recorded Scum purposely to, you know, for that aesthetic. And it sounds like crap, man. It's really hard to listen to. And I know people that for some people, that's their favorite one. And those people are insane and I love them for it, but <laughs> it's really, really hard to listen to. The big difference there, I mean, there's a number of differences between Napalm and Carcass's approaches lyrically aesthetically even though bill did the designs not bill jeff did the designs for both the napalm and carcass logos but whereas napalm's talking more politically they're talking more fucked up surgery medical yeah straight up there's the rumor and i don't remember if this was proven true or not they've talked about it a million times but was that one of their sisters was like a medical student or something so they she would have like all these textbooks and they would just take things from the textbooks um (laughs) Yeah, something like that. And if, even if that wasn't exactly the case, it was something similar to that. I feel like I could write lyrics from fucking like Grey's Anatomy just from fucking seeing it so goddamn much. Yeah. It's it's funny because like we watch the show and it's just like, oh, I mean, half the shit they say is like bands that I fucking listen to. Yeah, there like, you go. Or like carcass song titles, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, for it's real. It's fucking nuts. But I mean, they, they kind of started the whole deal, man. Like not just with band names, but I mean just like um lyrics in general song titles for sure I, I, you know and there's i mean there's bands literally called like general surgery yes yes exactly you know, i mean there's there's a lot of that sort of thing going on in in death metal brutal death metal in particular that really started right here yeah you know yeah and, and that then Rika Putrefa- putrefaction i mean it is indeed i, I like Dude, I wish it sounded better. I wish they had a better record. I wish they would re-record it, maybe. Yeah, it, I think they're it, way past that. Well, sure. I just, I'm just saying for selfish reasons, man, because I want... I Like, it's a fucking cool grind album. It's just, it's so hard to listen to. But I have a hard time yeah. listening to Scum, also. Yeah, I mean, I can see similar reasons. I love Scum, but like, yeah, it's a rougher recording. The other thing that they, that they had going for them that carcass didn't in that particular department was just like the songs writing was better. You can remember parts. They're easy to hum. There's like, not like a million parts. They're not all over the place, which is the case for Rika putrefaction. I can't really name like particular songs. It's more, it's more a vibe. You know what I mean? 
And I think that, you know, the really rough recording kind of goes hand in hand with all that, really. Even though, yeah, it'd be interesting to hear that in a more clear sense. They still play a couple songs live from that era, too. Um, but, like, yeah, so it's just like where you got the really low, because death metal was always a part of napalm sound at least when they finally got around to scum but like this was even more death metal than that and they had the lower vocals they had you know more dynamic vocals really but you couldn't understand a goddamn thing whereas on bullen's side of scum you could understand what he was saying not so much lee dorian but like you know again with the jeff's highs because again at this point jeff's just making noises and like you can't even understand what he's saying you know what i mean um and then you know with bill with the and ken doing the and again i love pitched screams like that's just funny to me especially for this it's just like it's just noise dude this is straight up noise it's like taking grind the next step further and it's you know informs a whole new way the bands and it's a whole new style but i mean that's about really all there is to it again there's like the songwriting isn't great like there's not a lot of memorable parts genital grinder is a fun intro but beyond that, you know, if I if I had to go with True. one song here, I would go Carbonized Eye Sockets because again, like they're short songs, but they're not Napalm short. Like there's actually quite a bit to them. From there, they go on to Symphonies of Sickness, which is surprisingly to me a lot of people's favorite Carcass album. Really, not a lot, but like a number of people because like Bill's been pretty adamant in the press that Heartwork was his favorite, and I was like, well, yeah, man. Why shouldn't it be? It's really good. Only to recently find out that Symphonies is actually Bill's, or excuse me, Jeff's. And uh, it's the first death metal cassette that Travis from Cattle ever got. And that opened the whole world to him of extreme music and why he sounds the way he does and his approach and all that. And it's, it's like a number of people's a number of people. When they say they like carcass, they like this aesthetic the best with, you know, it's the, it's the gore everywhere. The, the clinical term song titles and lyrics, it's the just disgustingness of it all. You know what I mean? And this is a more refined version of what they did on Rika Putrefaction, but it goes even more in the death metal route. It's a little more structured, a little more thought out gone are the pitch shifted vocals. Like, it's a little more streamlined. And this is their first time working with Colin Richardson. And so the production's upped a little bit. And, like, I guess I could see why people like this. This is straight up my least favorite one, actually. Because even though it's a better version by far and away, I like the charm of the fact that Rika Putrefaction sounds like shit. I think that adds to the, the factor of it. This sounds better, but that doesn't necessarily mean it has more character to me, if that makes sense. I can't really think of any song titles that really stick out to me. It's funny because they do the thing where Symphonies of Sickness has the song Riga Putrefaction, even though yeah. Riga Putrefaction was the previous one. I don't know. Do you do you have any particularly strong feelings on this one? Because that's the thing. is This is the one I have the least feelings about, whereas so many people apparently do. See, I love this one, but it's ah. it's more death metal. Yeah. To me, it's less grindy. Yes, definitely. But dude, like Ruptured and Purulence... The fucking that chuggy shit, like fuck, dude. Yeah, that shit. I mean, you know, and then the fucking like it's nineteen eighty nine. Yeah, isn't that wild? You know, how did we evolve? I was like, how is this happening in eighty nine? Yeah, but there's this little wow, wow, like it's weird 
Yes, absolutely. And it's funny to think, uh, apparently this was the year, the same year that the uh, the current drummer Dan was born was 1989. So dude's really? playing songs older than him, which I think is kind of cool. It's fucking wild. Yeah, man. this shit is all like, rah, oh, rah. yeah, like it's out there. But musically, it's it's really cool in the sense mm-hmm. that like it's very, I mean, especially for '89, mm-hmm. it's 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 like '89 death metal. It's I take that back. It's not '89 death metal. It's I mean, I don't know what death grind is, but this is it. I mean, yeah, no, it's exactly it's, yeah. It's not. It's not in '89 death metal was still just really heavy thrash, mm-hmm. and this is not thrash. No, 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 no. It's it's something completely different. Oh, hold on a sec. I got to let Jack out. Yeah, no worries. Oh, hold on, guys. But yeah, this, this shit is like just a different fucking thing. Like, it's like to me, be completely honest with you, it's almost more death metal now than than what Cannibal Corpse is doing. I can see that. Well, so here's an interesting thing. They always talk about their actual influence as far as death metal goes. There's only a handful of bands from the tape trading era. Their most recent death metal influence would have been Morbid Angel, which is fucking crazy to think. So they're coming from Repulsion. They're coming from Slaughter. You know, Death. They always champion Death as like their biggest influence to the fact where Jeff has that con- or a custom base with the Death logo on it and shit. Like, but like they're taking their own completely different direction on all of it to the point where, you know, where all these other bands, the Florida bands especially, are moving this one way, or even the HM2 Swedish bands are going their other way. Carcass is going an avenue all of their own. They're, we, they're leading their own pack. Well, it's fucking this, cool. I mean, this is, eight, this is 89. I mean, Cannibal Corpse is around. Yeah. I believe Malevolent Creation is around. They haven't mm-hmm. had a deal yet, but they're around. Obviously, um, Obituary's around. Mm hmm. Yeah, all these deicide might have been around do you know what it's gnarly is deicide was actually way late to the pack in a way i didn't realize like when was a mana thing like it was around that time it was like 88 to 90 maybe right. 87 so, I mean, to 89 even if they're like yeah like we're <laughs> they're talking about death metal influences i mean there wasn't a whole lot to influence these guys i mean yeah it was all demos at that point yeah right, amon was 87 to 89 life. yeah you know it's you know, you can get a lot from a fucking live band, man. I mean, oh yeah, you see for sure. one live band, next thing you know, you're writing fucking shit that you never thought you would. So it's, it's kind of cool to hear their fucking take on it because it's so much different than what everybody else was doing at the time. Mm-hmm. Because of, I think, I think it's because of the grind element, which is completely gone like, by that, the next album. Right. Does that make sense to you, though? Like, the, Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it, got to be that, right? Yeah, it's, it's again, it's a transitional thing, you know what I mean? Like, and they don't even know they're transitioning at the time. Obituary and the guys in all these other bands, I mean, they may have liked, you know, some of the early grindcore stuff, but that doesn't necessarily mean they were trying to infuse that into what they were doing. No. It certainly doesn't sound like they were. I mean, nah. probably speed, but that's about it. I mean, that's probably mm-hmm. where it draws the line is, oh, let's, well, well, we want fast. Yeah, I think all that shit where the grind want... influence comes in, in the way that it did, starts poking its head out a little more in the 90s. But around this time, you know, everybody's still trying to figure out what the fuck they're doing by this point. Is right. um, Alters of Madness of even them, out? I mean, I don't know if it's out. It's out that year, I think, 89. Okay. Yeah. I think it's 89. And then Eating Back to Life is just right there. It's at 90. Right, um, yeah. 
And I think slowly we rot, we rot is pretty close too. I think that's 89 or yeah. close to so, it. By I mean, far, so, yeah. But I mean, that's, you know, it's like, again, like most of those, most of that stuff is just like heavy thrash. Right. You know what I mean? Like the only thing, yeah, because like Entombed, like Left Hand Path isn't even out for another two years, right? Somewhere around there. Like it's, it's out when Necroticism's out. Yeah, somewhere around there. I, uh, it's so uh, just that po- proves the point even further that Carcass was way ahead of the pack on a lot of this shit. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. So, the point where, like, when bands start finally picking up on what they were doing, they're already on to the next thing, which is fucking awesome. So, I guess on that note, dude, 1991, Necroticism, the grind is gone. They're just this, oh, yeah. They're their own take on death metal. It's, you know, they, um, it's, it's kind of progressive. Like it's these songs that go on journeys. Again, they're they're more cohesive. They're fucking riffs or riffs packed on riffs packed on riffs, just like they were before. But they're more cohesive and they go on a journey a little better. Gone are the more clinical, like say, you know, gross surgery title stuff. This is a little more sophisticated. It's giving it a little much, but you know what I mean. Like there's like a little more concept behind the lyrics. Each song is a its own theme where it's like these fucking ridiculous ways to die. I'm trying to remember which one it is, but one of these is about accidentally getting turned into dog food. Like each each song is its own story. It's like Tales from the Crypt in a fucking uh, in a song form. Or like I just recently watched Body Bags. You ever watch Body Bags? Uh-uh. Uh, you're fine. <laughs> I was like, uh, I was like, oh cool. I've always wanted to watch this. Oh okay. Like like, but like the whole thing centers around a morgue and like the it's an anthology thing and the guy's whole thing is oh i'll tell you how this guy died so and that's kind of what it reminds me of although i think this would have come out before that but like it's a way more realized version of something that they were on to you know what i mean i could see people falling off by symphonies after this but i'm sure a lot of people stuck around and this is like you know the most attention they've received by this point they have michael amott who's you know and they're doing all these new things it's cool colin richardson stepping his game up Cause like, that's the thing is like a bunch of people, even, you know, up to this point you had Jim Morris and Scott Burns were doing their thing, but this was like a totally different beast. You know, they were still figuring out how to properly record things this extreme. And I would think, even though this sounds dated by now, this is a new benchmark in 1991, dude. Oh yeah. Like Colin Richardson, you know, in the next two, three years or whatever, cause soul of a new machine was 92. Okay. So Yeah. Real soon after, dude, Colin Richardson becomes the fucking man all around the world. Fucking hell, man. And again, I don't have any songs on this, but it's still really fucking good. I um, I know Decibel, because they had like their list of the top 50 metal riffs or whatever, listed Corporal Jigsaw, Jigsaw, I always want to say Jigsaw, but Corporal Jigsaw Quandary yeah. as their number two riff of all time. Really? Yeah. Fucking, it's an undeniable riff, dude. Fucking awesome. That this is the other one I was looking at. In propagation, was what they opened with on their uh, reunion tour. But like you know, they got the samples and they got the creepy little things in the between the songs. It really, really, cause like, I'll say the first two albums just make me think of a mess. You know what I mean? just fucking gore everywhere type <laughs> shit. You know what I mean? Like, like it's a cavern of For gore. Sure. This is, you're on the, you're on the, the slab You're You're under the, the light of the medical examiner and there's a mess, but it's a controlled mess. You know what I mean? It's, it's an inevitable mess. Like it really brings forth 
a mental picture of this album. I just picture cold steel everywhere and shit, dude. Like it really, it's, it's what I presume they were going for. It's evocative of a certain vibe. Oh, dude, you it's can hear, cool. you can hear the fucking, it's basically fucking Bill Steer's tone just without good production. Yeah. Yeah. yeah the production is not quite there. Yeah. You can it's, tell it's halfway. When, you're, when you're listening to like Carnius cacophony, mm-hmm. which is spelled crazy. Like, yes. Like coffin mm-hmm. cracks me up, dude. But I mean, you listen to a song like that, man. I mean, it's that fucking guitar tone. It's there. It's just not quite, not quite on there, uh, there with the production, but it's close, man. Yeah. To which, before we move on, I'll, I'll give a shout out to tools of the trade, the uh, EP as well. I know a lot of people like that too. To me, tools of the trade is the closest they sound like to being like just a generic death metal band of what would have been at the time. I know people really like the song tools of the trade. It's cool. And then there's like alternate versions of all the other songs. So I'll give that the proper due. And like, you know, it's the, you know, it's the very famous imagery of the, uh, the surgical instruments in the circle, which will come up again at some point later, but time goes on. They decide they want to switch it up again instead of having songs, just riffs packed with riffs, packs with riffs they want to have like very memorable songs and they want to incorporate more. They talk about the time they toured with morbid angel and they were already listening to other stuff than death metal. At that point they were listening to like Queensryche in the back of their lounge or whatever. And morbid angel came and was like, well, what, what do you, what do you listen to this shit for? You know, like they incorporated other shit into their sound, traditional and progressive metal stuff, you know, a lot of more guitar hero stuff. And they end up completely changing the game on this one in a completely new way. And they fucking make heart work, dude. Like, holy shit. Again, if you're fucking cave-dwelling, troglodyte, fucking death metal or whatever, dude, in general, this obviously bums you out. But, like, screw that. This is an amazing record. It's highly revered for a very, you know... It's for specific reason. It's amazing, dude. And to think, apparently, I wasn't there, so I'm only hearing this in hindsight, how hated this record was because it wasn't what came before. You know what I mean? Because it was so much lighter, which again, it might be, say, less extreme by the standards set before what came. But like, dude, it's still really heavy and it's pretty goddamn extreme compared to a lot of other things. You know what I mean? And it's melodic. Again, like, like Jeff his vocals start evolving to where it's a little more enunciated and it's not as crazy all the time. And like, it's more of an underpinning rather than a full blast type thing. It's fucking, it's a class all its own. It's obviously ripped off a million times since it's come out. It's the fucking one dude, right? It's fucking hard work, man. And also the different imagery. You still there, Jason? Fuck. Sorry, I was on mute. <laughs> okay. I was just like, "Wow, he's not chiming in." All right, I'm so like, I, I need to. So they're talking. I'm like, "What the fuck?" Sorry, I, I'm also noticing that I can actually see when you're muted. I, I need to be looking at that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> my bad. Uh, so anybody that listens to or has heard anything, bring me the horizon has done within the last like six years, seven years, and then uh, go listen yeah. to their first album. Anyone that's listened to Asking Alexandria, anything they've done in the last five or so, five or six years, and then go listen to their first album. That's like the difference between Heartwork and fucking like Reek of Petrifaction. Mm-hmm. You can't even tell it's the same band. Yeah. You can barely tell it's the same band on Symphonies of Sickness. Mm-hmm. 
it's it's pretty nuts man like and i mean they really go full bore like let's just do something really fucking melodic i don't know if that was mike amott or if that was someone else or if it was just the time it could have been just the time frame and they're just like you know what let's we want to try this thing well while we do that let's create a classic album of all like an all-time classic okay mm-hmm. cool like it's yeah, just that easy <laughs> yeah it's it's fucking crazy dude like to me it's one of the most important albums in metal i mean it changed so much for ev- like everything mm-hmm. it changed so many things prior to this point i didn't know i didn't think i i don't think i've ever heard anything as heavy and melodic yeah i have as, no doubt that yeah it's uh In fact, i'm positive yeah, I have the no closest doubt. thing you would get maybe a sepultura i could see that but the the leads that andreas does in like oh, yeah. well not even leads the solos Right. But I mean, yeah. that's, it's not even close because those are just thrash. Like, those are more thrashy riffs. I mean, these are like a lot of these are really melodic riffs, dude. Like, oh, yeah. <clears throat> that will become staples for the melodic genre. Like, I mean, they basically set the template for the core sound of an entire fucking genre. Mm-hmm. There's now, I mean, I, I could understand somebody going back and listening to Heartwork right now and saying, like, oh, well, you know, it's kind of boring. It's not that great. I could see people doing that in the sense of like, okay, yeah, so there's been people that have refined this sound, you know, for sure. Absolutely. There's guitar players that shred harder, riff mm-hmm. heavier. You know, some of the bands are a little bit faster. Some of them are a little even more melodic. Some of the bands, you know, have better sounding stuff. Some of the drummers are better. But what I think you got to remember is like, this is the first. Mm-hmm. You know, there's, I mean, if you want to say the actual first, I mean, go, you know, go listen to Necroticism. I mean, right. that's really where it kind of started. I mean, that's like the, that's the hell awaits to fucking Rain and Blood, right? I mean, mm-hmm. you could see where it's going and then all of a sudden within one album, bam, they're there and they nail it. Yep. Like they nail it straight to the fucking cross, dude. It's insane. Mm-hmm. And the aesthetic think, changes, no more gore. It's right. it's more artistic. Same with the lyrics. I like, think it's poetic. Rain and Blood did for like thrash in general. Just for what that album, I mean, obviously, fucking, there's other thrash albums that are fucking killer. Yeah. I think what Rain of Blood did by taking, like, giving it that more of a punk sound, like, giving, taking out that reverb, mm-hmm. you know, getting away from that 80s hair metal fucking guitar sound, you know, and, and just, just diving into pure fucking raw aggression. It's, this album did, like, change things for just the death metal genre, period. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's like, it was always getting heavier, right? I mean, it was, it started off with, you know, death or whatever. And then all of a sudden it ends up, you know, it's like, okay, all of a sudden Tomb of the Mutilated and fucking Effigy of the Forgotten come out. It's like, whoa. Yep. Whoa. Okay. So we just, okay. So we're getting heavier then, mm-hmm. right? Where this is the opposite way. Like, cause even, even with thrash stuff, it was like, oh man, like Rain and Blood was kind of like the pinnacle of fucking heavy, right? I mean, yeah, it was like, holy shit. Like this is. Okay, so what do we do? Let's get more a little more technical and stuff. Now you got, you know, things like Master Puppets, things like Rest in Peace, where with death metal, it's like, well, where are you going to go? Okay, well, we already went heavier. And right. somebody came along and said, like, well, what if we went more melodic while keeping the same basic tenets of death metal? You know, and it was just like, it's crazy. Yep. You know, it's like, well, it's what if we mix something like Cannibal Corpse with, you know, fucking Iron Maiden instead mm-hmm. of Metallica? Yeah. <laughs> Let's try Iron Maiden with death metal vocals. And I mean, 
dude i'm telling it's it's harmony fucking city on this fucking album oh yeah and it just goes on from there and i mean even without mike in the band you know bill bill's still writing that same stuff man like and it's you can't i mean what else can you say about it i mean it's set the standard yeah it's like you can sit and talk about this fucking album all day long yeah it doesn't hurt this it's like literally like banger after banger after banger after bang it's crazy yeah, it's very consistent yeah i think it's one of the fucking greatest albums ever made yeah it's a hallmark my, you know to me yeah hall of famer all-timer fucking oh, a, dude. definitely heavy hall of fame dude yeah yeah and then as we said and fucking swan song comes along it's like, Whoa. <laughs> so i don't remember if this has ever come up before swan song is my favorite to the chagrin of many people then Uh, the fact that people hate it makes me love it that much more i also think you're lying to yourself you're just that dude that likes recaputrefaction because no one else likes it i like okay we're gonna get into that into honorable mentions (laughs) well so here's so it's that's just an added bonus because i avoided swan song because i heard oh don't do that one that one sucks that's the worst i was like okay and then i just happened to one day stumble across keep on rotting the free world the the opening track and I was like, I think I actually kind of like this. It's like just fun. It's not hard work. It's not anything that came before it, but it's just like a fun little song. This is where, so the classic rock influences started getting hinted at in hard work. This is where they really start taking on a, a presence of their own. And going back to what you were saying earlier about the, um, the harmonies and all that, where like, they're just layered. There are harmonies on Swan Song as well, but like... At times, that's all there is because it's not like layers of layers of guitars. It's just whatever the two guitars are, you know, that you would see live, which I thought was an interesting take. And like, they're just fun ass songs, man. It's just. It sounds um, like a fucking Dollar Tree version of Seven Dust. Seven like Dust? Oh, yeah, dude. It's the same kind of riff, especially like Black Star. I guess I could see that. Oh, you know what else? it's it's 96 it's 1996 yeah like groove metal dude like that it is yeah it reminds me of like prong and fucking seven dust and all that shit except with with fucking jeff walker singing oh and so another criticism he got was that he sounded like dave mustaine with a head cold and he hates dave mustaine apparently but i could see that this is like the most not most actually it's like the least extreme his voice has ever been where it's like literally just him like monotone talking with like a rasp you know what i mean it's like nothing really crazy and uh, and there's another thing apparently their whole aim was to get more people into death metal by having something a little more palatable like there's all these little things that went into this record yeah it sounds like they're doing um well it's again it's been compared to it it sounds like celtic frost cold lake they this isn't what we do but we're gonna do this anyway and we're gonna try playing we're gonna try an album doing glam uh hair metal glam metal. right yeah yeah and this is them like we're gonna try we're not gonna go full fucking new metal but i don't even think new metal was really a term in 96 the first time yeah. i ever heard that term was 98 yeah but, yeah i mean you know the groove metal fucking style right and it, yeah yeah that's what we're gonna fucking try and do that so it's basically like the accessible album we're gonna fuck yeah. well, the accessible experiment right i mean like tons of bands have done this sometimes it works right well so another factor sometimes that i doesn't. yeah another factor i didn't remember until just now this is also when uh columbia gets involved with earache so that's the banner you're seeing with 
domination for Morbid Angel. I think Barney said it was beer emptiness despair for napalm at the time when all this was transition was happening it's it's like a few of those albums from that whole era i think over a year or two maybe before the whole thing just fucking completely falls apart and they realize this was a bad idea commercially but in carcass's case it worked out perfectly because columbia was like we don't want to put this out but like you can keep the masters i think is what it what the deal was because it was already recorded and whatnot and so then I think it was Earache was like, okay, we'll buy it for you from you just to like close out the whole thing. So they, that was his whole thing was, yeah, we got paid for the fucking same album twice, dude. Like, you know, nice. they made out pretty well. And then by the time, yeah. And then I, I will get into it a little more in honorable mentions, but yeah, I, I enjoy the hell out of this album for what it is. I can absolutely 100% understand why people hate it, but I don't care. I, I like it for what it is. It's just a fun little catchy ass album, man. And then after that, it all falls apart. I think if it's not right away, sometime later on, Jeff moves to Finland and he starts doing other... I think he even had a band called Black Star or something like that. I thought there was a band called Black Star by some, like somewhere. Yeah. Bill moves on to Firebird. Mostef and Talib Kweli. Right, right, right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no, you... I mean, it... Yeah, an actual band, not yeah. a super group, rap group. <laughs> yeah. Um, speaking of the demise of Carcass, there's a posthumous release from Eric because that's the kind of thing they do, where they compile all the B-sides and stuff into what is called Wake Up and Smell the Carcass. And I remember very vividly seeing the cover when I was 14 going, whoa, that's gnarly, was it's the uh, autopsy photo of JFK's fucking shot head. And uh, that's on the CD and DVD. Yeah, because I have both. I was like, oh, man, that's gnarly. You know, like, cause the first time you see something like that, there's way worse stuff out there. But like first time, and it's still pretty gruesome, but still. So going back to what Wake Up and Spill the Carcass is, the first five songs, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. Okay. The first five songs are all songs that didn't make the cut on uh, Swan Song. And a lot of people say those are better than what actually is on Swan Song, where it's one of those cases. I don't know if it's better. I still like them. I put them all on a playlist, so I just say the complete fucking thing of what actually was done when they recorded in that whole session. And then you got some other stuff. You got a Radio 1 session. You got the Tools of the Trade EP, some compilation tracks. Ah, I forgot to shout out one thing. Okay. The friends that I show Carcass, if nothing else registers with them at all, they love the song This Is Your Life from the Heartwork EP. Something about and I like the song, but it's just like they don't a lot of people don't like anything else by Carcass, but they love that song. It's interesting. So it's cool to have all those. Yep. 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 That's why I think people like it. It's all right. I and I don't think the first four fucking songs are like better than I mean, I, I don't think they're any better than anything on Swan Song. Yeah. So it's it's cool. It's a little thing. And then they do the choice cuts thing, which is basically a best of. And then finally, after years and years and years and years, we finally get Surgical Steel, the fucking new album at the time in 2013. And ooh boy, is it good. Yeah. This is actually album. this is actually my second favorite carcass album. Like it's a best of of everything they've done and now there's an addition of, of a heavier thrash influence as well. And they cover so much of that ground so well. Like, fucking Bill's growling again. It's awesome. And it's, it's exactly what it's like. 
a clip show of everything they did before with a modern sheen and it sounds awesome and there is an unfortunate parting aways here at a certain point not by any of the band members but Collard Richardson produced it and then um and the story went that he gave the mix to somebody uh, he gave it to Andy Sneap if I'm not mistaken right let me let me double check that yeah Andy Sneap which sounds awesome because Andy Sneap is fucking great. So this was the first album that Colin Richardson didn't mix. And his excuse at the time was, oh man, I've just been at it so long. I need a fresh pair of ears. I can't do anything more with this. And apparently that was them going, okay, man, that's understandable. Thanks. And then he found out later on, it's because he got the offer to uh, mix the new Trivium album that was coming out at the time instead. So there goes that working relationship, unfortunately. These things. Man, you should have just told him that. Yeah, yeah, for real, right? Hey, I have another job. Yeah, and for what it's worth, that particular Trivium album is considered a bit of a low light on their career. That's for another day. So we catch up to now. There's a new album in the can. Oh, real quick also, there was similar to uh, Swan Song. There's called Surgical Steel, which is pretty awesome stuff too, where it's uh, songs that didn't make the cut on Surgical Steel. Yeah, Surgical Remission Surplus Steel. Yeah. And now there's a complete version of they full on made like a complete version of surgical steel where it's surgical steel and all the uh, bonus cuts. Oh, um, okay. So I was wondering, cause I was going to say like, I'm pretty sure it's just an, Oh, the, sorry. The complete edition. Yeah. Yep. 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 So it's the, the main album yeah, and then all I was the listening to earlier. Yeah. Whole thing's awesome. So yeah, they have a, they have an album in the can. It's by a dude. I can't remember his name off the top of my head, unfortunately, but it's a guy that works at uh, Jens Bogren's studio, Fascination Street in Sweden. It's supposed to release next year. It's supposed to release next year. It was supposed to be October or something of this year, but people are pushing their stuff back because of COVID, which is fucking understandable. People, stop bitching about them releasing their stuff later on. But what they did in the meantime was they took four songs that weren't going to... They, they did the opposite, whereas they took the four episodes or the four songs that weren't going to end up on the album and they released that instead. So now we have four songs that are actually pretty sweet. Like, I didn't think much of them when I first heard them, but now that I've listened to them again, I was like, oh, okay. They kind of are a continuation of Surgical Steel kind of moving their own direction i don't know man i'm still i'm still wrapping my head around the whole thing but it's i'm liking it i know people that prefer these songs over surgical steel which i'm like i don't know about that wow. but yeah but like yeah man it's cool and if these are the songs that didn't make the album you know what i mean i'm looking forward to the songs that do right like that'll be cool i fucking like Actually, Circus, I, bet, man. I bet if you like this stuff better than surgical steel it might be because it's slower I can see that. All yeah, four yeah. songs are slower than most anything on Surgical Steel. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Huh. Yeah, man. On that note, shall we get into it? Oh, you know what? No, 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 no. Sorry. I wanted to do one more thing. If you can do it, because I think I can. Okay. can. Real can't. Real quick, can you rank all the albums in the order of your favorite to your least favorite? I would say Heartwork, Surgical Steel. So that middle yeah, area necrot- that's tricky? Necrotic- Necroticism, okay. Symphonies, and then Reconfiguration. Mm-hmm. Uh, I go Swan Song, Surgical Steel, Heartwork, Necroticism, Recapitrefaction, and then Symphonies. It's easy when there's only six albums. Fucking weirdo. Oh, yeah. I guarantee I'm the only person with the list like that. <laughs> Speaking of lists, let's get into it. The namesake, the list. Um, oh, I didn't put any honorable mentions just because okay. I, mean, I fucking like almost <laughs> all their fucking songs. Dude. Yeah, so. okay, so I, was, I wasn't I was too far off. I, I almost didn't either. I kind of didn't. I um, What I will say is 
just recaputrefaction for what it is like the album just because it is just an incoherent noisy mess but it's an awesome for what it is incoherent noisy mess that's even been disowned by the band practically it's just fun like just for you know the overall just craziness of it and then i again i said swan song all the way through but i'm picking certain ones for the actual list and then i'm also going to say specifically the first four songs on heartwork that first four song wrong or run dude like that is i'm surprised it didn't end up making anything on my list but like dude it starts with buried dreams then to carnal forge which inspired the band carnal forge later on great band check that out if you haven't i always say you never forget your first so no love lost is in there and then heartwork dude like fucking hell Real quick, speaking to the strength or yeah, the strength of Surgical Steel, I just remembered the night they played San Diego was actually an off date because the next day they were performing at Knotfest and the rest was Surgical Steel stuff that what they played, but they only played two older songs. It was Incarnated Solvent Abuse and shit, what was it? Heartwork. I'm like, that's a big one for a lot of people. So it was interesting that like just the strength of that new album, they only they played mostly new stuff and then they went back to those two older ones. On that note, Jason, your number five. My number five is, I don't know how to say it. All right, those are the best ones. 316L grade surgical steel. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, good start. It's just, dude, this this fucking end part where where it just like breaks down on the ride and then fucking... It's like it's almost like a Lamb of God riff. I think that's probably why I like it so much. Um, right. But that's just the end part. I just, I mean, I could have picked, fuck, man, probably like five or six songs from this album to yeah, for sure. Five. I'm, yeah. I mean, my my four has been solid for a long time. It was just like, okay, well, what's number five, right? So yeah. But it's got this fucking and it like the the root note is descending each time. It's I don't know. It just it really caught my fucking ear. It was almost unfit for human consumption, which is mm-hmm. the, right before it. Like right, it's it's just a fucking really cool jam, dude. Like it, the whole album is so fucking. I mean, yeah, nothing groundbreaking, but I mean, it's just it's very. I don't know. I mean, I would say this one's pretty consistent as well. Like, yeah, absolutely. Top to bottom is really fucking solid album, dude. Like, yeah, dude. I could see why it would be someone's first or second for sure. Yeah. Um, what's number five for you? Well, as a matter of fact, my number five is also from Surgical Steel. Oh, I'm going with the third track, Cadaver Pouch Conveyor System, dude. That little <laughs> thing at the beginning where I just did, I scream and then it goes into the harmonies. That's a fucking sick guitar harmony, dude like it's just a ripper front to back dude like fucking hell man yeah it's fucking sick i almost thought about putting the uh the first actual song on there which one is that that's uh because again these all have goofy ass names yes that's the one thanks that almost made the list too i guess i gotta call that an honorable mention as well just even that whole beginning thing like like 1985 did you do you know the story about why 1985 is 1985 no. So again, in all of its grand, it's like possibly one of the best openings ever where it's just guitars on guitars on guitars that would make fucking queen cry, dude. Like it's epic. Apparently that's the first thing that was ever written for carcass when they formed the band. 
And that's why it's 1985 really? is because it was made in 1985 and they never had anything to put it on until <laughs> the, they were like, what if we put it on the beginning of this album? And so it took them fucking almost 30 years and they finally found a place to put it. <laughs> it's and pretty, it's great. Sweet. Which makes the expanded version even better because they end with an alternate version of that yep. at the end. So it's like cool. If you listen to the complete version, it's like a, it's like a closing chapter thing and it brings it all back around. Yeah. Reprise, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. But yeah, man, hell of a way to start an album. Sick. Um, have you ever heard the absence, the band from Florida? Yeah. Yes. That dude, I follow that dude, Mike, the bass player. Who's also in Soulfly from the grave. Like, they have an intro that reminds me of that. Yeah. And it just keeps building and building with just more and more guitars. Yeah. <laughs> this is what that reminds me. It, this is this reminds me of that. Mm-hmm. It's very, very fucking cool. Yeah. Like a killer it's way sick. to fucking open an album. Most definitely. Uh, moving on. What's your number four? All right. We are reaching unprecedented territory. I've never done this before. I've come close, but I've never done this. Right so, on. Number four is the title track from Heartwork. Yeah. The fucking little harmony shit at the start. And then mm-hmm. the fucking blast. Yeah. Dude. So you, you know, you mentioned the, the you know, this run of four. Mm-hmm. So really it was like where am i where am i putting it you know and that fucking the harmony like it's one of those things like once you hear it it's like you never forget it <laughs> you know yeah yeah I, it's super catchy and, and you know the weird thing is i've actually like I, i've gotten this song uh stuck in my head before mm-hmm. you know but um that i've actually had it stuck in my head and like oh okay i gotta listen to that song and then i'm like cruising through arch enemy scrolling hitting fucking play on every fucking song where the fuck is it ah okay i got you just just trying to find that fucking opening uh you know that right yeah and it's like where the fuck is that like oh yeah it's fucking carcass yeah yeah how about that uh, shit? Yeah, I mean, the fucking... Yeah. Oh, dude, it's so fucking cool, dude. Yeah, man. I, Let me ask you this. Uh, is there one part... Because the whole fucking thing's great. Every part of this song is awesome. Is there one part that sticks out to you more than any other? Do you, do oh, you just... No shit. Okay. That's mine too. Oh man, like that's yep. that's like a fucking that's like a melodic death metal staple. Mm-hmm. That's like a fucking metalcore staple. Mm-hmm. Like that riff right there. Like I mean, fuck, dude. Every band has after this has you know like unless you're trying to just straight up be brutal. Any band with like melodic guitars, I mean, you got some shit like that in your in a song yeah. somewhere. Yep, 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 yep. Yeah, that you know, was, I mean, that's the one for me. That too. shit is like the highlight of the whole jam. Yep. You know what I mean? And then the cool thing is it's like straight up fucking like just like fucking machine gun kick city right yeah. afterwards. Yeah, man. It's this you know? weird bridge part. You know, it goes in this fasting and that goes right back to it. Yeah. It's wild. Man. Um, you know, Ken Owen's a very clever drummer. Yes. He does a lot of cool stuff because he's not overly fast. Mm-hmm. I, I think 
when you can't play certain things, you got to get a little more creative with what you're, what you're going to be doing underneath some of these riffs. Yeah. You know, cause all his, you know, fuck man, the pinch harmonics in this song. Yeah. Fucking forget about it. But I, I, you know, the, when they do blast, it's definitely the grind blast or what yeah, a lot of people used sure. to call the cheat beat. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's not like a regular death metal blast. Mm-hmm. And I I don't know if it's just because he can't do it. Maybe he can't. I don't know. A lot, there's a lot of dudes that can't do that shit. You know, so he makes it work. And it's like, it's cool because it's not just making it work. It's also, right. you're calling it back to where you started from. Because mm-hmm. there's not a ton you know, of blasting on this album overall. No. And, and like I said, when it is, it's grind. So it's like mm-hmm. when Killswitch Engage hits a, hits a short blast or, or fuck it, at the gates or you know, influence or anybody else, if if they're gonna do it and if they put it in there, it's probably not gonna sound like this because they're probably not gonna put that grind blast in there. They'll probably do like a regular suffo blast or something like that. Mm-hmm. You know, so I could listen to I mean, I'll just say it now. You said it's the first four songs, it's the mm-hmm. first six songs, dude. Yeah, yeah, I could see that too. And I mean it's banger after banger all the way to the end, but that first six is untouchable. Yeah. Anyway, your number four, please. Well, it's funny that we're talking about heartwork because mine is also on heartwork and it's going to be the one heartwork song on my top five. And it's actually track number seven, ironically enough. I don't know how you're supposed to say this. It's my flesh. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. What Jason said, which I guess is like a take on a German turn of phrase, but like it's something else because they got to put the flesh back. You know, that's like the closest they get to be an old gory carcass is they put flesh at the end or whatever. Yeah. Is it flesh or flesh? I don't know. It, it's whatever flesh is in German. That's, that's the, that's the word play. Cause they like the, the third word is actually something different in the actual phrase. Um, I should be able to see what it is, but I can't. So I'll just say, dude, going back to the few spots of uh, blasting on this album, dude, right here with it, with the, that weird little guitar thing that and then yeah. that riff, dude. But they also do a lot then, of like the thrash the thrash blast. Yeah, yeah. You know, they do a lot of that in this song, man, which is nice because yeah. it gives it a really good pace to it. Yeah. And just like the when it takes the melodic turns, they're awesome, dude. Especially towards the end, just with the uh the leads and the solos and whatnot, dude. It's just it's fucking Oh sick. yeah. When it uh, and then it goes in that solo, like it's epic, dude. That, dude, there was a fucking oh, it's this part where it's like like the shit that like the way the can's playing underneath that is yeah. so fucking cool because like again he's not it, it's 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 not he's not playing straight through it so he's playing with it mm-hmm. so it's like a it's like a cool little. Like, I don't know. I, it's hard for me to do it, but it's really fucking cool the stuff that he's doing in that part because it's almost like he's playing. It's it's like he's playing like this off, not off time, because he's right there with him. Mm-hmm. It's, it's like he's playing a really slow, empty like drum fill with just the snare and the and the kick. Right. And he's filling with the rhythm. It's it's really fucking weird. But again, it's it's just a super clever thing that he does on this fucking song. Yeah. And yeah, I don't know if it's our our bit mocked flesh or flesh. But have you looked it up to see what it means? 
No. Maybe we should do that. Yeah, yeah. Let's see. I'm trying to remember what the actual fucking phrase is. It's it's the first two words and then something that sounds close enough to it that they were like, hey, we should call it this. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, let's look this shit up. Yeah, I was just going to say, I'm just going to drop the shit into Google because we can, because future. <laughs> let's see. The future is now. The fucking Star Trek be damned. Yeah. Because if I do this, I, I'm just wondering if autocorrect will be all. Do you mean this? Oh, it's whatever. Okay, so it's FR. Hold up. I can expand this. It's a bright mocked fry, which means wor- uh, work sets you free. Oh, it's what was on the entrance of Auschwitz. Good times. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> that went dark. Yeah. All right. <laughs> so I'm guessing work sets you flesh. I don't know. Something like that. You know, again, this was like the one where they got super artsy and abstract with shit. Like, oh, yeah. Where they got super off the deep end. So I guess that kind of fits in time. <laughs> but again, because they're, they're carcass, it's like, well, we got to put something a little relating to gore or, bio, you know, biology or whatever in there. So they changed the last word to flesh. Sorry, I was just like, now we're talking about Ken. I'm like, is he doing anything? Apparently, he makes electronic music. Good on him. Really? Yeah, he's got nice. a band camp right now. Apparently, I've been following him this whole time, and I don't remember that. But yeah, good on him. Marty. I knew that sounded familiar. Okay. Anyways, <laughs> moving on. You're number three. Carnal Forge. Nice. That little fucking mini... It's like the little mini solo in that part, man. Yeah, yeah. And then it kind of plays like a chunked out version of that. Yeah. It's like, like, ah, fuck. But like from the harmonies of the opening, you know, that fucking, you know, with the fucking harmonies, like, God damn, dude. Like, I, dude, when I heard that, like, I was just like, I've never heard anything like this before. Yeah. Cannibal Corpse doesn't have shit like that. No. Not saying that they don't do any harmonies. They do. Just or did. The same way. I don't know if yeah. They still do, but I don't know either. They they did quite a few of them, but the style of riffing too, like it's just it's so different. And it's like there's been I won't even say very few. There's been quite a few albums that have just knocked my dick in the dirt when I heard them. You know, mm-hmm. and it was like, this is one of them. But it's got the big phaser too. Yeah, dude. I was just gonna say, the- yeah. Yeah. That one little part, oh, yeah. That's two parts. Oh, is there so two, sick, dude? Yeah, there's the there's a slow part at the first. Mm-hmm. Where it does it? Oh does yeah, it yeah, again, yeah, right yeah, before yeah. the guitar solo. That's what I'm thinking of. Yeah. Oh, dude, it's just so fucking cool, man. And like that fucking with that fucking like all that shit is just so like what at the gates became. Yeah, absolutely. What early in flames became what early soil work was what. Yeah, soil work has definitely owned up to a carcass influence. And then that bled into, like, fucking all of a sudden, it was like, oh, man, now Unearth is doing that. Kill Switch Mm -hmm. Engage is doing that. Dark, uh, um, fuck. Jesus Christ, I can't even think of the fucking name of it. Darkest Hour. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, Darkest Hour, fucking, then that bleeds even, like, a little bit later, you know, Black Dahlia Murder, and, Mm -hmm. you know, it's it's just like, it's this ongoing thing, yeah, Parkway. It's this ongoing thing of, like, Oh man, like we like that. 
let's you know and it's just like all these different bands putting it in different places mm-hmm. you know changing it a little bit slightly like let's do a china on it or whatever let's change my yeah. snare sound it's so fucking cool how all of this stuff just starts like almost like a lot of that's like that stuff in particular Mm-hmm. you know comes from this fucking album dude like it's unbelievable like i was i was throwing around i was kicking around the idea of us doing like kind of like off episodes where we do just like a maybe like a half hour hour episode of like we just and just call it like we pick a genre and just talk about like essentials and we if you just pick one mm. album and just talk about the album and as a whole we don't even make a list or whatever okay yeah and i was thinking like dude melodic death metal essentials like i mean that this is yeah hard work yeah oh yeah <laughs> no know, that's that's sure. ground zero right there Oh yeah, because I want to do. If you're talking about that, I want to do scum real bad. Because I'm like, there's so much I want to say about scum, but like we could oh, just have a grindcore essential that. for sure. Yeah, man. If you don't like the sound, you still have to hear it at least once. Yeah, exactly. I like that idea for sure. I'm, I'm good here. Okay, so my number three, it's blurred out on the album, which I think is a weird '90s ass artistic idea because that was around that time when they were doing stuff like that, but it's Rock the Vote, track 10 on Swan Song. It's just a fun-ass little ditty, man. Like, these these next three songs are just fun to me. That's, that's why I like this album. It's just fun with the harmonies, and it's just it's a rocker, man. This is where that rock stuff really comes to the forefront. I love it, dude. <laughs> and then shout out to the, the joke version, Death Rider Da, which is a, uh, a bonus track on the re-release. And it's Colin Richardson just screaming goofiness. And it's a shortened version. And there's like an out of tune piano thing at the end for some reason. You know what sucks about this album? I just kind of figured out that I really hate about this album for one. It's so compressed. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's a markedly different sound than than Heartwork for sure. But I think that kind of adds to the charm of it for me. I'm like one of only two people in the world along with Trevor. And I love this album. So I wish Trevor still streamed, man. Cause I would just bug him. Just be like, dude, don't you love Swan song? Like, ah, he was a fun streamer, dude. That's a bummer. He's not doing it anymore, but I also get it. It reminds me a little bit of a Megadeth song. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Dude. Especially like what Megadeth would have been doing at that time. All right. Um, right. Actually, I think they sucked by this time, didn't they? Yeah, they're pretty terrible. It this time. Depends on who you ask. I like euthanasia. I like up to okay. I don't triptych writings, but, but like euthanasia as soon as you is get, where I call it quits. No, that's fine. Yeah, though? I thought it was ninety-seven or maybe it probably ninety-six. It's, it, I can't tell, but like I know that by the time I get to risk, that's when I'm like, okay, you know what I mean? Like, there's no defending that one. The euthanasia to me is like really pushing it. Yeah, for sure. So that's that's that. where I'm like, that's my absolute limit, dude. On that note, what <laughs> is your deuce? Hold on. I actually was just listening to fucking Megadeth for a second. Nice. How? How can you do that during a fucking car kids episode? I'm cutting that out, by the way, but. Yeah, no worries. Yeah. Sick fucking pinch harmonic, dude. Fucking embodiment, dude. Yeah. I think it's a super underrated jam. Like, you know, it kind of speeds up. And then it just fucking stops. 
Fuck, dude. Yeah. This shit just, this shit is like the fucking giant fucking caveman just fucking dragging his fucking goddamn wooden club, leaving a fucking trench like the Panama Canal, and his fucking feet are just stomping on everything dude mm-hmm. just leaving craters it's yeah. so heavy yeah that's the uh, more or less halfway heavy. point on the album too fuck dude it's yeah. amazing like i fucking love this song so much dude like yeah again like by the time i got to the song i was just like jesus dude mm-hmm. you know you've already heard the first fucking four songs you know and it's just like god damn dude yeah the uh i wonder if either of the embodiment bands got their name from this song probably not uh, because it's like this weird little fucking judas priest bow down 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 kind of breaking the law definitely not the yeah same i can see that yeah it's just a thing that reminds me of it but I feel that. You know, it's funny. We're talking about all these new, you know, things that they start bringing in around hard work and then onward. I remember at the, around the time they would have done the release shows for Surgical Steel, they were talking about somebody from some blog complaining and being all, oh man, Surgical Steel just sounds like Death Metal Pantera. And Jeff says that and then he's all, well, what's so wrong with that? Oh man, I fucking love Jeff. (laughs) There's another part in there. Yeah, yeah. It's almost like an unintentional, if at all, um, callback to hard work already. Like, dude, this this goes right into like Riff Hall of Fame right here, dude. Like the whole song. Yeah, there's only like I mean, there's only like four or five. Well, I mean, there's probably only like four real different parts. Yeah, for Pretty sure. simple song structure, man. Like, just fucking banger city, dude. Yeah. Did you... I, I'm going to take a wild stab and say the answer is definitely no, but did you ever listen to the Heartwork demos? No. So, like, it's interesting because, like, for the most part, the songs are the same. Um, but I think it's maybe a, on this one, there's, like, an interesting little change up. And it's, it's also interesting because the demos are in a completely different sequence order than the album. And that kind of puts things into a different context. But I thought it was something about this song in particular on there. I'll have to listen to it again. Because I also, the one, main thing I thought I heard, like, way when I was younger, was that there's actual growls on the Heartwork demos. And sure enough, after listening to it, there are none. So that must have been the decision way early on from Bill. Just like, oh, I think I'm just going to hang back now. So <laughs> anyways, on that note, I'm going my number two, the clever take on the Neil Young song. Oh my God. Yep. 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 Keep on rotting the free world, man. I, so this was the thing. It was just like one day after hearing avoid swan song, like the plague it was just, you know what? The video popped up. I'll watch it. Fuck it, man. And I ended up really enjoying it. And now it's one of my favorite songs. And they still play this one live. Do you uh, like Carcass? Oh, I love it. I just, <laughs> I especially love this particular Carcass. I'm one of the rare breeds of cat that likes a little something from all the albums. I have to be in a very, very small club. As long as I get my own jacket, I'm good, man. <laughs> But it's just like they got the on the video they have it's just like tour footage, I think. A lot of it like shot in places like Vegas and whatnot. 
the guitar player around this time gets like no love at all. I don't even know if he's actually on the album. I'll bet it's just, I'll bet you it's actually just Bill the entire time is, uh, let's see what this guy's name is. Carlo Regattas. Cause both the solo styles sound like Bill. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, you can tell when Bill and Michael Amat are trading off on artwork. This just sounds like Bill to me, or maybe just because you don't know enough about that dude's style because he never really did anything else, but I'm sure he did his best towards the very end of their stint. But yeah, man, I guess we're on to number one. Wow. Yeah. Pretty sure everybody knows what it is. Mm. Ah, okay. I wasn't that more obvious. Dude, the second I heard this fucking song, I mean, I was. Did you ever see those old fucking. God damn it. It's either Memorex or Max L tapes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it had the guy sitting in front of the TV or the speakers or whatever, and Mm -hmm. he's getting blown, but that was me. Yeah. (laughs) Did you ever ever see Batteries Not Included? I think is the movie. Oh, I mean, I, th- I probably did a long time ago. Yeah, where they have the parody of that, where the dude's head gets fucking, he gets decapitated by the. Oh, really? I think it's that movie. There's that a movie. Probably be more me, dude. Yeah, decapitated by the. Sh- I was just like, yeah. fuck, dude. I'm like, pretty sure it's that me. Somebody, if they know what I'm talking about, write in and tell me because I know the commercial you're talking about from when I was a kid because they had the parody where the guy gets killed by the from decapitation yeah no this is as as jamie josta would put it don't be around me when this song comes on yeah this yeah dude song, i mean that's dude. i mean i'm not much of a monster but that's exactly what it is it's like fuck it dude this shit there's no way i'm not banging my head while i'm listening to the song oh yeah there's no way just that fucking opening welcome yes like yeah. oh fuck dude it's so fucking awesome man like i love yeah. it so fucking much dude Fucking um, I mean, it's. I would put it in the top 100 metal songs. That's fair. And I don't really consider myself like a fucking huge Carcass fan. Well, if you're like 99% of people, seemingly, you just, you know, you prefer hard work over everything else. I, I, I should oh, really that's say. What I'm saying. This is unprecedented, man. I yeah. have four of my top five is from yeah. one album. That's what I'm saying. Most people, I think, until maybe Surgical Steel. You know, of the first five albums, I think a majority of people actually just only like part work. You know what I mean? That's the one that made the biggest impression, regardless of the fucking backlash they got from, you know, the fans of Strictly and everything they did before that. This is the one that has the longest lasting legacy. You know what I mean? It's the one they're most remembered for. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's I think it's a matter of for me, I guess, is what I should say is it's solely just the fact that like. Like I said, I love Symphonies of the Sickness. I love Necroticism. And I mm-hmm. fucking definitely love Surgical Steel. It's just the heart work is like so fucking good. Yeah, no, for sure. You know, like, I mean, I like Surgical Steel the album, but I mean, I wouldn't put it in fucking one of the greatest albums ever written, mm-hmm. but I definitely would put heart work there. Yeah. Like, so it's not, I guess it's again, it's like I'm, I'm a carcass fan. I mean, I wouldn't call myself a huge carcass fan, mm-hmm. but I'm a huge heart work fan. Right. Yeah, there you go. You know, so I mean, and again, like I said, it just fucking blew me away, like so fucking gnarly when I when I heard it that first time, and it it almost like I get that feeling every t- every single time I listen to it. Mm-hmm. You know, like I mean, I was fucking cruising home, sitting in fucking traffic for a minute, and I was like, okay, as soon as the traffic opened up, I'm like, okay, it's time for some fucking heartwork, super loud, you know, and it was just like fucking boom, man, just instant smile on my face, fucking rocking out, yeah, fucking. 
amazing. It does bring a smile. I remember because when they after when they did the album release show and right after they started 1985, where they're all walking out, all fucking yeah. The fact that that's what they kicked in with, like, like you just, I got like really happy. You know what I oh, mean? Oh, dude, like, like 1985, right into Buried Dreams. Like, I had, I, I need to try that in a playlist, man. Yeah, see how that works out. It, it's pretty, <laughs> especially considering they just got right into it, dude. I was just like, I'm fucking stoked right now. You know what I mean? Like, it's one of those <laughs> moments. It was, it was oh, yeah. sick. Oh man, Fuck. Oh. gnarly, dude. Yeah. Um. Is it that moment? I'm. Are you, dude? Are you going Black Star on this shit? No. Okay. You know what, Black Star? I'm actually not that big on. Actually, but I think you're going it's Room 101. I'm not going that either. I think it's the one between those. I even like Tomorrow Belongs to Nobody, the second song. It's a consistent vibe throughout the whole thing. Like Child's Play sounds like a fucking spiritual beggar song. That, and he's not a, even that, on this album. That's the one. Is it? Yeah, I'm just trying to remember what number it is because I'm trying to figure like the out classic where... rock song for your yeah. Favorite that's what I'm saying. Song. Like this is the fuck. That's just that's exactly what it is. It's again where the the classic rock stuff comes to play. But it's like it's a good groover. I love that bass tone that's singled out by itself in the beginning. It's just got a cool. Ah, there's like next to no other songs by Carcass that have this. No, pace, you know what I this mean. This is more like a Firebird song. Yeah, exactly. Like it's the fifth song. Okay, my bad. Yeah, so it's between Cross My Heart and Room 101. But yeah, it's just it's its own little thing. And you know what I think really made me like realize how much I like it is on the uh on the coroner's report volume for this DVD for all the inconsistency with the re-release stuff and correlating to when it actually originally got released. Swan Song did come out last. And the aesthetics for the menus are unique to whatever the album artwork was. And the uh, the menu music is whatever the music was on the album. So it was child's play for this one. And hearing it by itself outside the context of the album made me really go, huh, okay, and notice it in a whole different way. And it's been my favorite ever since. And it's been 12 years. This whole album is like a good driving album for me because I like how consistent it is and what it is. Like, yeah, man. I'm that's just going to... I'm just going to give a, a little warning to our fans pro tip. If you go search Firebird on Spotify, uh, yes, yes, watch yes, out yes. for the 2014 album Bonds of Life. Oh, not where I thought you were going, but okay. What, what the fuck I'm is that? I'm pretty sure that's not them. I would have to assume. I'm pretty sure a Firebird hasn't been a band since Carcass got back together. What the fuck is that? Dude, it's like an opera singer. Oh. But I mean, there's a 2011 album, 2009, 2006, 2001, 2000. So, I mean, they've got stuff on there. Yeah, to be fair. It's, it's really good. It's a little more Southern sounding than like even Spiritual Beggar. Spiritual Beggar sounds a little more modern than than this. This sounds even right. more uh, like more classic rock than, yeah. than fucking Spiritual Beggars even. It's crazy. You know what? It looks like they went a few years after Carcass got back together. But I think it's, if I'm looking at this right, it's around the time Carcass decided they were going to go full time again that they would have broken it up. Yeah, right here. Eventually, the band ended on April 3rd, 2012, deciding they call it a day. They wrote on the Facebook page, as some of you are probably already aware, at the end of 2011, Firebird decided to call it a day. The reasons are too numerous to go into here, but we'd like to thank everyone who helped make the band over the years and the friends we made up and down the country road, as well as the many lovely people we met overseas. That sounds very diplomatic. I mean, it has to be because that's when it was like, hey, guess what? Carcass is like an actual band again and not just reuniting or whatever. Uh, so that's fine. That's our fives, man. As always, we'd love to hear from you guys to let us know what your favorite eras are. Is there anybody else that likes Swan Song? Is there anybody else that really like their favorite one is Rika Putrefaction? 
<laughs> like those are the ones I want to hear about you, you filthy animals. I love you guys, but Jesus Christ. Yeah, man. Let us know what your favorite shit is. Let us know what your like window is. If it's a window, cause it's, there's probably just a window, right? Jason, do you have the numbers ready? Yeah, I do. I thought they were kind of weird though. Cause that new out, that new EP, but all right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's all good, dude. One, two, three, four, five, six. So six things not off that new EP. So we'll just do those. Yeah, um, for sure. Pretty interesting, though. Buried Dreams is the bottom of the barrel. Oh, no, actually, it's not. So Unfit for Human Consumption is at 1,148,000. And then mm. it would be Corporal Jigsaw Quandary. Fair enough. 1.7. Then Buried Dreams at 1.8. Then Keep On Riding in the Free World at 1.9. So it's not just me. And then Decent Jump, Black Star. Really? Yep. Well, I mean, that dude, that's the groove metal. It's the groove metal right there. Like, yeah, it's just like get any more groove metal than that. Yeah, of all those, that's the one I'm like the most lukewarm about. But eh, okay, I can see that. It's the most radio. But nothing else from Heartwork aside from Buried Dreams. Their their number one played song is Heartwork. I mean, I yeah, that I, I just like million songs. Yeah, but like no Our love place. lost. Huh. Okay. Interesting. So I'm gonna actually go to hard work, hard work and hard work. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Mortal Coiled Embodiment. Fucking, they're both at like fucking seven hundred forty thousand. Hmm. No love lost is at one point one million. Yeah, well, but Carnal Forge is only seven hundred thousand. Hmm. And I'm gonna oh. Dude, if these are different. And this uh, is after they've already been off. They were taken off for a long time because they had that spat with Earache. Oh, Remember yeah. if you tried to go on there, all you could find was the nuclear blast up, which was basically yeah, just true. surgical steel on the EP. So all those numbers must still be there from when they were there before because they don't just go away. Like all that shit's still there. Like the pitch shifter stuff. Fucking Earache with their fucking... Well, plus the version of Heartwork is off of like if you look oh, at the artwork, it's off it's of an ep the best of is it, okay because i remember like even after the albums disappeared some of those songs still stayed or stayed on because they were on compilations so i wondered if that might have been it too but yeah okay i could see that compilations there's this the best of carcass there's choice cuts well choice cuts nothing is so it's weird because like it shows heart work on choice cuts and it's only one hundred thirty-four thousand employees. hmm some of so that. It must it must re- read them differently, but yeah, it's it's weird because yeah, that stuff was gone. Uh, yeah, okay. Surprisingly, not a whole lot of plays for Carcass in general on Spotify. Yeah, again, because they didn't well, have the opportunity to for right. a moment. Yeah, fucking earache for a while. Because yeah. yeah, I remember when. Now that you say that, I remember when Heartwork came back on. <laughs> I was at the gym one day and I just oh, because I had I had a couple songs in a playlist and then I opened up the playlist and they were there. Yeah, yeah. I, the one shit I like, was like, holy shit. Yeah. Like, I can't believe it's back. So I had to go to their page. I'm like, oh, fuck. Hey, remember it was like all the David Vincent albums, or I should say at least the first four albums from Morbid yeah. Angel were gone for a moment. All the, all the fucking Pitch Shifter stuff was on there for a second, and then it got yanked down by Earache again. And Pitch Shifter made a very big stink about it over social media. Yeah. I think it's like all the Earache uh, decapitated stuff is gone. I don't know, man. It's messy. Another yeah, one I, was of those. Bummed, I was bummed too because I yeah I wanted to hear some of the like I wanted to hear like Spheres of Madness from Decapitated, yep, like, yep, Negation yep, yep. and stuff, and like those two albums. The only two albums I love, yeah, yeah, from for Decapitated. Sure. They're both off of there. It's like fuck, dude, yeah, so yep. stupid. We'll get to that 
mystery another day when we do a decapitated episode. Uh, Until then, thanks as always for joining us, folks. Please be safe and take care of each other. Uh, hit us up on all the socials. I'm at Yes It Is I David everywhere. Jason's at Metalist Pod on Twitter and Metalist Podcast everywhere else. Like, rate, review, subscribe, tell all your friends. Hit us up. Again, we'd love to hear from you, especially on this episode, because I'm curious as where everybody stands on a lot of these things. <laughs> but until then, eat your veggies. Fuck especially your eat your veggies because it's a vegetarian band. See ya. Oh, yeah, huh? Yep, yep, yep. Bye-bye. Later.